Welcome to In Our Own Defense Podcast. We are your hosts, Attorney A.D. Winters, founder and managing attorney for VeteransDefender.com, Winters and Associates PLLC, and Dr. Dolores Tarver, licensed psychologist. For more information about our podcast, find us on Instagram at In Our Own Defense or via email at inourowndefense at gmail.com. In our own defense podcast, our mission here is simple. We want to share truths, create dialogue while increasing our listeners' awareness of mental health concerns. Here we'll discuss a range of topics, including but not limited to cultural, social, political, environmental, mental health issues. Um, Create a platform uh, for useful and realistic action plans to make and encourage wellness and goal attainment. as a legal disclaimer, uh, this information on this website, this podcast, or our social media doesn't constitute legal advice or is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship. These materials and information uh, is for general information purposes only. Dr. Tarver. From a mental health perspective, the information that we present is used to be, is supposed to be a supplement to and not a substitute for any services that you would receive from your personal provider. And for our uh, complete disclaimers, you can find us on our uh, social media at Instagram, where it's in our own defense, uh, and you can learn more about that. But this is part of our four-part series that we've been working on uh, as it relates to coronavirus. Um, this COVID-19 has, has had a significant impact on each and all of our lives. Uh, Dr. Tarver, this is um, you know our fourth part of this four-part series. Um, and these questions that people are asking us that we, we keep coming across is, how are people uh, navigating this new normal? We've discussed finances, how they're building their schedule at home, how people are dealing with the tensions versus domestic violence. And we've distinguished that. In this particular episode, I'd like to talk with you about how we stave off addictive behaviors and dependency issues and how does a family do that? Um, there's a recent report that came out uh, in both the, the New York Times. Um, the one, one came out in the New York Times, one came out in NPR, and it showed that the sale of alcohol has spiked nationwide. Uh, and one showing that by the week ending in March 28th, uh, liquor and grocery stores had shown a 22% increase according to the Nielsen's rating in the Wall Street Journal article. And in the CNN, um, uh, CNN had an article says that booms, uh, booze sales are booming as people are starting. Uh, in the third week of March, 55% increase as those shelters in place and social distancing guidelines came into play. Um, so while it shows an increase in alcohol sales, I have to presume that people are actually going to use and uh, and consume that alcohol, uh, but not just having a discussion about the consumption of alcohol as the only potentially addictive behavior, but we have social media, consumption of TV, and other dependency-based crutches. Uh, what is a family to do? What are some recommendations for families that are working together to manage these potential um, addictive behaviors or stave them off? And um, and, and, and a second question I'd like to discuss is youth. So let's just, let's discuss the first one, if you don't mind, Dr. Tarver. 
How are you today, by the way? I'm great. Thanks for asking. And I also appreciate you not giving me two questions at one time so that I can stay focused on making sure that I answer it. Um, so I, I just want to point out a couple of things. One is that in times of distress and when we have um, coping skills that have been removed, we're going to revert back to things that we've done in the past. A lot of the things that we were using to cope, such as going to gyms, being able to go out with friends, even even being able to work from home can be a coping mechanism. Um, those things are being taken away um, or work at uh, the office, rather. Um, those things have been taken away from us. And so we are looking for things to put in their place. And I want to be clear that anything has the potential to be addictive. Going to the gym can be addictive. Um, shopping can be addictive. We can get addicted to eating. We can get addicted to um, watching porn. We can get addicted to um, spending money on gambling. So there's a lot of things that have the potential to be addictive. But what... I was just thinking about alcohol and drugs. Now you're telling me <laughs> all of that. That's what happens when you have a mental health provider. Uh, she's oh, not gonna, yeah, absolutely. Uh, going to let us think that we're getting away with those other things that we're doing that have the potential to be addictive. Because uh, what what ends up making something addictive, one, if we are using it um, to numb feelings that we're having, um, we are needing more and more of it in order to get through a day. We are we are starting our day with it uh, because the thought of facing a day is so overwhelming that we're that we're using mm. that thing to be able to manage um, if it is impairing our ability to do other things. And you mentioned social media. Um, so if I am on social media for hours and hours at night, and then it's hard for me to get up in the morning to be able to do the things that I need to do, then that's when we're looking at something becoming addictive. So an increase in use doesn't necessarily mean that it's an addiction, but it does mean that we maybe need to be monitoring how is this increase in use affecting me and has it affected me to the point where now it's interfering with my ability to do social things, um, to do work, um, or, or to be able to do things that are related to everyday tasks around the house. That is, that is, so that is a much better way to look at it. So if we have a, a, a an app, you know, if our phone has it, we're seeking to determine how much more we've used our social media uh, since you had this much screen time. And it shows a, during a COVID-19 crisis, it's increased by, you know, 60%, 100%, 200%. Meaning you went from, you know, 20 minutes a day to now you're about two hours a day. Um, do you believe that that's a pause for concern or, or does it require like what what is your thought on that does that have any problem with it they increase one one sort of fundamental metric to look at a, a two-hour increase when you're not at school you're not in traffic you're not in you know you don't have that same lifestyle that you used to have uh, any thoughts on that absolutely so I, I'm a big proponent of um, behavior tracking because that's how we get real data because that that two hour increase could be 10 minutes in the morning it might be 30 minutes during what would have been lunch um and then it might be 20 minutes uh, before i go to bed um and then there might be an hour that i did a, a google phone call 
with um, somebody from work. And so that's not necessarily an indicator that that's an addiction because that increase in phone time just measures all of the time you use the phone. So that, that in itself is not a good data point. But if I'm behavior tracking, so if I'm writing things down, then I get to see, oh, okay, well, I was on um, Instagram for two hours at this block party. Right. But that was the only time I used it. And I had finished everything I needed to do. Everything was set up. It didn't interfere with me getting the kids ready for bed. It didn't interfere with me getting up the next day. It was just the way that I chose to de-stress on that particular day. Versus if that two hours that I was on Instagram, then I'm not helping the kids with homework. And so they're behind. Um, I am hopping on there every time I get a free moment. So I'm in the bathroom. I'm taking my phone with me to the bathroom. I have the phone on when I'm in the shower. I've got the phone on when I'm trying to make cook breakfast. I'm burning the food because I'm on the phone. Then that's when it becomes a problem. And the same is true for alcohol. If you, if we're going to use that as your example, um, if you were drinking maybe once or twice before COVID-19, but now you're drinking every day and you're having one drink, you may say, well, yeah, okay, maybe I need to find some replacement behaviors, but it's not impairing me to the fact, to the point where I'm not going to work. But for another person, that drinking every day could be impairing for them. And so we're all different. So we have to judge ourselves based on one, our previous use of this particular coping mechanism. And two, again, if it is interfering with me doing other things, am I becoming more irritable if I can't have it? Um, am I attacking people when they try to take it from say, hey, can we do something else? You've already had a drink and then I'm defensive about that. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to have another drink. That's when we're, we need to be a little bit concerned. Okay, so if someone is binge watching these very interesting shows, these uh, Real Housewives shows or the Clark Sisters, if someone watches, you know, like 10 episodes of something, let's just say, for instance, they watch, you know, whatever it is, for 10 episodes just binge watching that's these aren't things one doing one thing is not a telltale sign that you have succumbed to an addiction it's just you're enjoying this outlet you're not in traffic for an hour and a half each way in the daytime or an hour some people are three hours in traffic a day so there's another 15 hours that they get back to their life by working from home or working in, in this space so sometimes that time would be there and they've just now substituted it with something else so everything is not an addictive behavior or a dependency issue but what happens um what happens are there resources that that the family can go to that that once they see this addictive behavior or it is comes out and you think that hey we want to do an intervention is there a website that they could go to um, that talks about this? Absolutely. I mean, we can always, everybody likes to Google what's the difference between, you know, looking at something excessively and an addiction. You can definitely Google that. Or you can go to one of the websites that I really like, uh, sponsored by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration Division, which is S-A-M-H-S-A. And so they have some really good articles, particularly related to COVID-19 around this time and our increase in all use and whether or not your use isn't uh, running to the point where it could be an addiction or it's not. And again, the addiction guide model is, is this interfering with my ability to do other things? So if I'm binge watching and I'm not paying attention to the kids, not getting my work done, 
um, you know, getting all distracted and burning things, then that's when we're at a problem. If I binge watch because I finished everything for the week and like you said, I've got this extra time, then that's just the way I, I, I chose to spend my time. Now I've got some other options that might be healthier, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's addiction now. Yeah, and it doesn't cost any additional money. It's not shopping. <laughs> no, it's, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> now if we're if we're talking about budgeting as we did in our previous oh, episode, man. that alcohol is factoring into your budget. So is this a necessity during this time, or am I just prioritizing it over other things that I could be doing that would be of no charge? Th- th- that's exactly right. But I'm saying, like, um, if that person's just watching TV, they're not shopping online and spending goo gobs of money on, on a lot. No. But a second. They might be they I'm might sorry, be heating up more um, data just depending on what kind of service plan you yeah. have in your own. But but there are some other but things that, that I would encourage people to do instead. I mean find some other re- like, like, like find what? some other replacement behaviors that are nurturing. Like a lot of times these things are are distracting and avoidant based. But they're not really helping us recharge, right? So we're drinking more because we're stressed. And, and we have lost the ability to do maybe some of the other things that were important to us in our coping plan. So let's find some other things that we can put in there. Can I journal? Um, am I able to see a mental health provider? If, that was a, if I had an outlet to be able to talk to people and I don't, can I use a mental health provider for telehealth to be able to work through some of these things? Am I doing something meaningful and purposeful? Um, I can create a blog, I can volunteer, I can grocery shop for other people and leave it at their doors. Am I, am I nurturing my spiritual connections with acts of kindness, um, forgiveness that I may be struggling with, uh, faith-based activities? Um, am I working out at home or going for walks? Um, am I reading motivational material? Am I looking at motivational speakers, for example? Am I taking the best care of my body during this time? Am I eating right, getting enough rest? Um, and, and am I nurturing reciprocal relationships? So these are these are other things that people can do that won't necessarily add anything to their bodies that could potentially become addictive, but also give you a break between. All right, now I'm coming home and I just uh, or now I'm finishing for my day and I'm just drinking as my way to relax when maybe I can meditate Mm. um, instead to relax. Mm. Um, And I don't necessarily have to go to the drinking or smoking um, as a way to be able to calm my mind. I can do some relaxation exercises to calm my mind instead or take that break I need during the day away from the kids, go to my car, have a minute instead of uh, using a mimosa to do it. Okay. So they, these are, those are healthy alternatives and, and not saying that having a drink is, is this is a oh, no, reachable moment where we're saying like not have a drink. We're, we're just, we're trying to delve in and push the conversation a bit forward. Um, uh, the second follow-up to that that question was, how can parents help manage uh, these potential addictive behaviors and the potentiality for addictive behavior and dependency issue with youth? Uh, we we talked about uh, these, you know, parents uh, experiencing this, youth not having to get up and ride the bus to school and travel to school and travel home and part-time jobs and football practice and basketball practice. You know, uh, spring football didn't happen. Basketball season didn't really, a baseball season track really. You know, these, 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 these extracurricular activities that kids would be fully vested in right now um, are not happening. So if they're increasing their video game play or any other activities that kids are getting in, how can parents help manage this or identify some of these problems 
as it relates to youth. Right. So with our kids, that's what they're going to go to most often. They're going to go to social media, these electronic devices. So then you have this other threat that's come with addiction, but also that there may be porn that is on. A threat? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, so a lot of these websites that kids wow. go to, um, they're very... So there are some sick people out there we know. They make the websites very similar to ones that kids go to. So if you're used mm. to your, your kid getting on YouTube, the kids version, and you've set parameters, there's some porn that's very similar to those dynamics, and kids can end up clicking on that. And then all of these images that you don't want your child to see pops up. So it's really, really important that you do not just allow your kids to have their time. Oh, okay, you get 30 minutes of time on your iPad that time needs to really be supervised because you want to make sure that you're helping them not click on things inadvertently that they could get then addicted to or that because our young people are bored and they're looking for things they're searching and putting in different parameters and they may be getting on these sites at nighttime when you're doing your instagram or or you're having your beverage and they're in their rooms you think they're asleep they're getting on these sites looking at porn. So we want to monitor what our kids are doing. We still want to limit their electronics time, just like you used to limit when they were in school. They only get a certain amount of time and that the sites need to be approved by you. Don't just assume because something has a kid-friendly name that it's a kid-friendly site. And then again, we want our kids to do other things other than social media and electronics. Those same things that I listed for adults kids can do too. They can do that meditation and mindfulness with you. They can do that yoga with you. They can go on that ride of bikes with you. They can go for walks with you. So we want to teach them, hey, you have other alternatives than just getting on these devices to be able to cope and to be able to manage this time too. That's that's very helpful. Um, you know, and, and some of naturally, some of these these kind of key locks like family safe and uh, these are blocker sites that families can use like the family safe uh, freedom internet blocker anti-social cold turkey rescue time focus me uh, mobile security and antivirus um, kapersky uh, Kas kaspersky safe kids uh, and net nanny uh, and block site um, there's a ton more uh, these are just great resources to help you protect your youth uh, and just have deeper. I believe, uh, Dr. Tarver, they need to, uh, parents can have deeper conversations and let kids have a, a say at the table. One one thing that I'm uh, a huge uh, proponent of uh, being a father multiple times over and being a father of a, of a three year old uh, now is I get the opportunity to allow my three-year-old to have a say in what we're doing um she you know within reason within a three-year-old reason can get to articulate her thoughts on things we may not do it she has a thought on it and then i explain it to her and it's a growth opportunity so i think that's that's uh, the great thing about this COVID. if we look at it from a positive standpoint if we look at it from a um, from a positive standpoint, one positive thing that has come out of this is that we uh, will become closer, we will become stronger. Um, and I think that that's something that I hold near and dear that we would have grown from this. What do you think, uh, Dr. Tarver? Um, what, do you, what is a good takeaway to take from not only this podcast about addictive behaviors, but 
all of our four part series uh, as it relates to us. And I'll just give us a reminder uh, and recap. Um, we talked about adjusting to changes and routine and accessibility and talked about how families can manage this new normal. Uh, we talked about the decreasing frustrations and irritability versus something as outlandish as domestic violence. Um, we, we talked about managing finances and limited resources um, during this COVID crisis. Um, and then today's topic was utilizing healthier coping skills uh, and identifying potentially addictive behaviors. So to the first one, um, do would you have any recaps on adjusting to changes in routine and accessibility? Yeah, definitely. Again, that reminder is to create a schedule, um, create a schedule that the whole family is involved in making and make sure that you consider everybody's different needs, whether they have special needs as learners or whether they're a morning person versus an afternoon person. Um, so that everybody kind of has a seat at the table to create, to be a part of creating that normal and that you create some kind of routine because we do better with routine. And then, um, you know, I like to get some of your insight on uh, decreasing the frustrations. We, we've seen uh, constant reports uh, from worldwide that's showing an, a, an extreme and astronomical increase in domestic violence when and unfortunately this happens to women it, you know it's unfortunately happens to anyone but it's mostly happening to women uh, we've seen highlights and, and a good news story that rihanna and and jack dorsey are, are putting their resources to bear to help protect women and uh, these victims of domestic violence but um we, you distinguish between domestic violence and frustrations and irritability based on this new normal in COVID-19, but this, this, the, the part that is so frustrating, if we know that this is there, what are some things that we can do? Do we point women toward those resources? Uh, do, we, do we point victims, right. men or women, toward those resources to try to identify those? Uh, do we, we put these things in place that you said to have these conversations? What we are definitely thoughts? want to be preventative. I am a, I, I am a firm believer that prevention is always going to be better than intervention. So if we know what constitutes domestic violence, what a healthy relationship components are, then we're more likely to make good decisions about partners. And this goes to us understanding the dynamics in our families. If I grew up in a family where I saw people being yelled at being demeaned, being hit, then I'm much more likely to pick a partner that exhibits those similar characteristics. So if I learn that about myself before I get into a relationship and are able to see different dynamics and know what's healthy, then I can make informed decisions when I'm choosing partners. I also need to know about the resources before I get into a situation. So then once I'm in a situation, it doesn't take me years before I realize, oh, hey, this person is being abusive to me. If I know first off, when you're stalking me, when you want to see my phone all the time, when you're following me, when you're asking me who I'm with, um, when you're determining where we go all the time and I don't have a say, that I, I recognize that those are signs and symptoms of intimate partner abuse and don't have to wait for it to escalate and us be in a situation where it's harder for me to get out of it. So prevention, yes, is always going to be the best option for that. Let's know before we get into a situation. 
that no, I think that is that is brilliant. We we really appreciate your um, your your kind of end capping that. Um, we want to remind our, our listeners that one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three is the uh, national domestic violence hotline. That's one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. And Dr. Tarver, we talked about you know um, managing finances with limited resources, with unemployment. Uh, in our third episode of this four part series, um, and we we steered and uh, our our listeners toward um, going to balance.com as a resource that they may want to try. We told them uh, that they can try Nerd Wallet. Um, it, we, you know, I laid out that they should should work through a financial plan, front those bills head on, contact their creditors and say, "Listen, we're going through this together. Here's my challenges," and let them help them figure out a, a blueprint. And that would do you believe that that would help uh, ultimately relieve some of the stress associated with this financial? Absolutely, uh, you laid out some great resources for people. Um, and, and that is an alternative to avoidance, because, again, if we just wait for those bills to sit on that table and think that they're magically going to disappear or, or, or something is going to happen with them, that's not a realistic plan. But if we have an active plan, we know those resources that you listed for people earlier in that episode, then that will allow them to be able to put that plan in place and not wait. And again, we'd be able to be proactive instead of reactive. So utilizing those resources, knowing what they are. And like you said, you've got to make those calls or get on those websites. That part you have to do yourself. Nobody's going to be able to do that for you. And so if you're having a hard time, that's when friends and family can help. Hey, let's get on this website together. Let me navigate, help you navigate it. If you're having some difficulty with reading or, or you get to the point where you get overwhelmed and confused, have your support system in place to help you navigate that. Don't just wait and not tell anybody you're struggling. Get that help if you need it. And I think this is a you know, telltale sign of what I said in many of our ep- other episodes is that I am uh, lucky and honored to be able to launch this podcast uh, with you, Dr. Tarver. Uh, you're a learned psychologist. You're a learned thinker. You're a learned healer who's designed to help people think their way out of themselves and their issues. Um, I'm a proponent as an attorney and a businessman. I'm like the TV show Billions, where you watch, you know, extremely successful people leverage the power of uh, mental health counseling, mental health therapy, mental health partnering and coaching. Um, My office uses it um, as a way to leverage our agency, leverage our company into being more talented. Um, And it's not some sort of weird stigma that you're dumb. I'm a I have four degrees and and own a nationwide law office, and I believe in the power of therapy. And I think using your talents to help heal our people and heal our listeners and give our listeners opportunities and resources and how to um, develop their thought process, increase the the dialogue, open it up uh, a bit more, the knee-jerk reactions. It's really exciting to me. I'm really excited to move forward with you in this partnership as we work in our own defense podcast. Uh, this is the fourth of the four episodes, um, the addictive behaviors we just discussed. I'm so excited to work with you. It's a pleasure for me and you listeners um, should be really excited about this. But um, as this concludes, 
uh, the this fourth of the four part episodes, uh, the four part series of in our own defense, uh, COVID-19 and significant impact on each and all of our lives. Uh, we're your host. I'm attorney A.D. Winters and uh, Dr. Tarver. Uh, we're so thankful to have you as our partner and co-host. Uh, for more information about our podcast, please follow us at social media on Instagram and our own defense and via email if you need to contact us in our own defense at gmail.com. So you. thank you, Dr. Tarver, and have a great night. Five, four, three, 